guys, you're listening to the Sound Sister Podcast, coming to you from Mesa, Arizona. I'm your host with the most, DJ Draywow, DJ <laughs> Dreadal, <laughs> up in the room with, uh, what do we have here? G-bagging. <laughs> Angela Rosebaggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously. Hey, guys, it's Angela Rose Red. <laughs> Gabby Chaos. <laughs> If you're still listening, we got some exciting things going on in our episode tonight. We're going to be talking to author Daniel, Danny Valdez. Um, so I just wanted to get into a couple of things here. Um, I wanted to update you guys about what was going on recently with my health. Um, good news. Uh, lost about 17 pounds. Dang. And my, nice. my doctor thinks Damn, that... Gina. thank you you're welcome (laughs) no my doctor thinks that we'll be able to reverse the diabetes yeah what and if you guys didn't know i do have the diabetes 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 that's exciting yeah no she thinks that we can reverse it with uh diet exercise so that's kind of what's been going on with me lately nice Um, we can rebuild that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) We're hoping to. I don't want the diabetes anymore. The diabetes. No, yeah. that's exciting, dude. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Damn. So we're hoping to get the naturopathic doctors in here so they can mm. do our blood pressure and all that stuff on. That'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to them. They said they were they were down. So mm, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Every time the doctor, I always have high blood pressure because I hate doctors. But so that gives I think you that might be an issue. High blood pressure. The doctor itself. Yes. On I top of, I don't like the doctor. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense because every yeah. time I go in there, she's like, "Why is your heart beating fast?" I'm like, "Because <laughs> I'm in here yeah. and you're a doctor. <laughs> I don't know. Judge me <laughs> in my life. Yeah. <laughs> How many drinks do you have? Two. A totally month. lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I heard someone had a birthday over this weekend. Dre uh, Wow. <laughs> Dre Wow. Katie Meow Meow. Yeah. So I don't have kids. So we've fucking threw him with a cat a birthday party like made him like a little wet cake and oh <laughs> so diabetes and cat parties yeah that's my life now that's uh, punk rock living dude what a time to be that's alive. what happens when you turn like over 30 Damn. and stop going out so yeah. well, i don't have kids so that is my kid for now how old is he he just turned 12 that's technically a kid wow yeah. no that's exciting you've dedicated 12 years <laughs> To this feline friend. He'd be like, what, seventh grade or eighth grade? Your cat, if he was human. In human years, in, yes. In human years. So he uh, would be entering well, into his awkward music phase. Yeah. Te- technically, he's 64 oh, in human years. Shit. Yeah. But if it was like a year, he'd probably be like a seventh grader. Yeah. He doesn't look a day over sixth grade. <laughs> I thought so too. <laughs> you look um, good, Ozzy. Yeah. So yeah, Ozzy had a, had a good birthday and it was awesome. We missed you guys though. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. I was up camping for the weekend, up in the woods, chilling with uh, one of my oldest friends. She's a mom and she's like, just get me the fuck out of here and I just want to be not a mom for a night. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we listened to a lot of Tom Petty. Yeah. Sweet. It's great. Yeah. Tom Petty's just the best when it comes to road music. Are you guys fans? Yeah, and I regret sure. not seeing him. Yes, yeah. me too. It still hurts. It still hurts me to think that we're living in a world without David Bowie or Tom Petty. So, 
But um, yeah, I was just talking about this with uh, my husband Rico on how he, Tom Petty was one of those uh, musicians that really, really bridged the way from like radio to music video for all those like 80, 80s kids out there. I mean, he just like grabbed it by the nuts and just decided to do all these rad videos. And I think it kept him relevant. Um, I mean, Don't Come Around Here No More is still one of the best videos, I think. Of course, it's one of my obsessions, Alice in Wonderland. But yeah, I mean, he's got, I don't know, the list goes on with his like, uh, and, and now even after, of course, you know, no one gives a shit anymore about music videos anyways that are played on MTV, but he still like brings it back and sold out crowds. So still a huge fan. What's your favorite Tom Petty track? Uh, probably Running Down a Dream. Nice. Yeah, that's a good song. Learn to Fly is my favorite. Do you, Do you have like, a... I, you I have couldn't a, tell you. I've, you're like, who's Tom Petty? Well, I know who he is, but... <laughs> Not not my time. That's all right. I haven't gotten I haven't gotten to that on Spotify yet. That's so. all right. Okay. It's yeah. something to dig deeper into. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. The last last dance with Mary Jane music video. I remember thinking like, what the fuck? I know. Being a little kid watching it. You know. Yeah. And being yeah. mesmerized. I'm like, it's a dead chick, and he's dancing with her. I'm digging it. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? And then I get older, and I'm like, oh, Mary Jane. All right. Exactly. All right. <laughs> okay, Tom. All right. Yeah, good stuff. But like, Gab- Gabby, what's going on uh, in your world lately? Well, I was going to be productive this weekend, Saturday, and then I lay down for a 15-minute nap, turned into a three-hour nap <laughs> with all the dogs and everybody, and, and then I didn't do anything. Cuddle puddle. Yeah, it was a cuddle puddle Aww. of puppies and asshole cat, because he was in there. He was, was abs- cuddling? <laughs> uh, he was... In the room on the other side of He's the like room. He's like judging you guys yeah. from a distance. Yeah. That's yeah. what he does. That looks comfortable, but I'm not going near you. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear him around the house like. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, that's cool. Sometimes it's good to just have like a nothing to do weekend and I just know. chill. Got to recharge, man. Yeah. I'm still tired. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, w- I just wanted to get into a couple of things this week in the punk rock news world. Uh, first on the list here, we got Toby Morris is starting a podcast, which I'm looking forward to. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not familiar, that's a H2O singer. Uh, follow him on Instagram. He's totally positive and shocking. Uh, <laughs> but I really like following him. Yeah, he's, he's always very positive and judge-free, PMA, just all-around badass. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that for sure. For show, for show. For show. For life. Um <laughs> Today, Elvis Cortez of Left Alone mm. released a new single off of Smelvis Records called Wrong Choices. Did you guys listen to uh, it? I did listen to it. Thoughts? I like it. No. Well, made wrong choices. Made a song. I want to <laughs> know who fucking broke his heart. <laughs> um, Point me at that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Facebook and all that, I knew like back in the day, but... You know, people post and then delete their rants. Uh, but that was a few years ago. I don't know who broke his heart now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So No, it's it's pretty good. You got to check it out. It's called Wrong Choices. You can search in Spotify and it'll come up. Um, like I said, released off of Smelvis Records. Uh, funny story about him. <laughs> Did we play the show or we just hosted the show? I think we hosted the show. Was it uh, that Pop Rock one? Or yeah. which one? I, I think, think it was an uh, anniversary show for Easy Chaos. 
So I don't know. We might have played it because we put it on. So why not play it? <laughs> I don't know. Who it knows? All blurs together. But I had no. met him before, and hmm. I hadn't even really seen him before. And hmm. um, I just remember his eyes were like really piercing, and I was total like fangirl over him, which <laughs> never happens to me. And uh, there's this infamous picture. If you check the Venomous Pink's Instagram, you'll be able to find it where we took a picture with him yeah. and, and the bass player. And then I did the total fangirl, like, oh, my God, and put my hand <laughs> on his stomach. like. This, this will be up on the website. Um, and so this you day, did the Angela is what it's called. Like, totally posing, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, my God. Oh my God. I'm going to hold you like a baby in a non-creepy she was. way. <laughs> Literally, she was. Well, when you and say it like that, <laughs> come here, baby. I'll I'll fix your broken heart. That's what she was saying. Let's make a burrito yeah. with covers. <laughs> Elvis, if you're listening to this, uh, we're sorry. Yeah, no. But it's like one of those people where we see him and we'll go to the shows, but I don't know what to say because yeah. I'm like nervous. Like, yeah. I, I like your band. <laughs> and then you run and away. And then you run away. Yeah. That's the way they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's always been nice to us, though. The few times he's had us come out or we play with him, he's always been just yeah. fucking Super nice. nice. So, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely like, what am I going to say to you? Like, hi. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You're great. Yeah. And just run away. <laughs> Uh, so yeah go check out wrong choices on spotify um this next piece of news i don't like reporting but i think it needs to be said um today aretha franklin was announced that she was gravely ill on her deathbed oh shit and uh you know that's the queen of soul right there um heartbreaking i mean you know the respect song is an actual cover of an otis redding song Mm. But the way she did it was she put her own twist on it. And if you think about it, back in the 60s, what was happening then? It was the civil rights movement. It was women's lib, you Mm -hmm. know. And so that was, like, really a staple for both groups. So it's important to know that her she did have some significant relevance to music history, and she always will, you know. Yeah, of course. She's definitely a legend. Yeah. Um, So we just want to wish her positive thoughts and prayers at this time and... Uh, TMZ is reporting that it, it could be cancer, but her her team hasn't denied or confirmed that yet. Yeah. And you know, on that note, fuck cancer. Yeah, yeah. Um, we love you. Fuck. Get better. And then uh, on the upbeat, our friends the Casualties have signed the Cleopatra Records, and this will be the first record with our friend David Rodriguez. So I'm looking forward to that. Fuck He's yeah. fucking rad. He is. He's yeah. extremely nice. Another extreme, <laughs> another cute, extremely nice person that I don't know what to say to. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what to yeah. say when they're dicks, but when they're nice, it's yeah, it's really sure. hard to <laughs> get the words. Well, you expect them to be dicks. Yeah, they're like, oh hey, you're like, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you're nice to me. You respect the fact I respect you. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, yeah. So looking forward to that. Good front man too. Yeah. Uh, they recorded the record at the Blasting Room, which me and Gabby, you know, we talk about. Every that, time. Every time. <laughs> well, we're going to record there, man. So, yeah, that'd be dope. You know, it's going to sound really good. Really, For really sure. good. Yeah. Um, 
Which brings me to another topic. Uh, we've had some drama go down lately in this scene. And I just want to say, if you're a man and you fucking punch a girl, go fuck yourself. That has no room in our scene for that kind of fucking bullshit. Um, I've personally been harassed at shows. I've had my ass slapped. Mm -hmm. I've been talked down to. Um, I mean, the list goes on. And it's fucking stupid. Like, we need need it to end. (laughs) For sure. But it also doesn't give open licensure for ladies just to go off and hit dudes and smack them and think it's okay because people should still have the right to defend themselves you know because everyone thinks oh oh you got hit by a chick like oh you know that's so you know downgrading and not saying that the dude should go off and lay your ass on the floor but if someone's coming at you and attacking you you should you know definitely defend yourself so it goes both ways you know, ladies too, because I've seen it that way too, and I've seen, I've seen females being like, "Well, yeah. I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna be an asshole and swing at this dude, and they're not gonna fucking care." It's not cool either way. Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying, but where I'm coming from is like, how fucking old are we that we're gonna fight at a bar show? It's true. And agree. Take swings at chicks, like. Agreed. I mean, that's a low blow. I mean, yeah. Just yeah. for the record, yeah, fuck you if you hit a dude. I mean, if you hit a dude. <laughs> Or you hit a chick. <laughs> just fuck you if you hit anybody. I mean, I mean. Or if you hit a kid or if you hit a dog. Just don't be an asshole. You. Yeah. I don't know. Danny, what do you think? Let's get the male perspective what? on this. Oh, like. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, there definitely is uh, definitely a double standard when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because I can tell you um, how many times I've, like, I've been in a relationship with a woman. And how many times I've been punched. I've been right. hit. And if I would have done those things to them, I wouldn't even be sitting here because I'd be in fucking prison. Right, yeah. right, but, yeah. I mean, not saying that any one is any worse than the other, but it's like you said, if you hit anybody, you're a fucking prick. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, keep your hands to your fucking self. For sure. And you fucking just treat everybody with fucking respect. For sure. And if you're going to run your fucking mouth, uh, what's that old saying we used to have in the scene back, back in the day? Talk shit, get hit. Right, <laughs> yes, that's true. I remember all of your from the back of the day. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. The newbie. Uh, so true. Yay. For sure. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I mean, definitely in my younger days, I was I was scrappier or thought I was. You know, there's definitely things that I regret. But as I've gotten older, just violence isn't the key at all. So. What doesn't solve anything? Usually when someone is resorting to violence, it's because they have no ground to stand on conversation-wise. Usually they're getting beaten in the argument. They have nothing to fucking say. They know they're fucking wrong with their ego. They can't check mm-hmm. to be objective and say, uh, you know what, you're right. And then they fucking hit somebody because they get mad. Right, right. And that's but, I mean, that also brings to the other topic you kind of mentioned, Drea, which is about, like, inappropriate advances, you oh, know, yeah. From, yeah. from, you know, men or females, you know, just – I mean, there's, there's definitely a difference between hitting on someone and – Un- uninvited touching or groping. Like ass grabbing. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> Which comes back to the keep your hands. Too. For sure. I, yeah. I remember there was this one time when I was bartending at the Palo Verde, Dirty Verde, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> dirty. So there was this guy that I actually knew, and um, he. I was just walking around, and he straight up grabbed my ass. I mean, full on cheek, grabbing my ass out of nowhere. 
and I got so pissed. I was clearing tables and I had this glass mug with me and I just slammed it down to try to get his attention to knock it the fuck off. And what happened was, is it fucking broke. (laughs) And in my mind, in my mind, I was like, oh, fuck, I look like such a badass right now. I'm going to use this shit. And I just did it. And I pointed the broken handle. I was like, don't fucking touch me ever again. And it was so great because there was like some other bystanders that were like these bigger, like fucking like gangster dudes that like were kind of regulars. And they were just like total respect like don't want to even like look at me the wrong way they're like i'm not gonna fuck with this crazy ass bitch she's gonna cut me just so the moral of the story just like use fuck it yeah, yeah, yeah dude, it's you. You, dude. fucking Good. bullshit man Good. damn yeah. yeah what about you guys you guys have surely had some uh, stories we like do that. but most recently was uh when we went to see the distillers um this guy was with his girlfriend like he was holding her while he grabbed my ass and yeah, I was like, what Jesus the fuck? He was Christ. with her. So I time management, I, I, I turned I around, guess, but right? <laughs> he, was, I mean, he, was, he was the only guy like in my behind me, so I just went and punched him in the back and then I went on to get my beer. Uh, but I wasn't sure if it was him or not, but he was the only guy there with the chick. <laughs> right. And so yeah. that was recently. I mean we have fucking stories for days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about you, Drea? Anything uh, that stands out? The only one that really stands out is when we played in Prescott maybe a couple of years ago. It's Prescott. Oh. Oh. Prescott. There you go. Prescott. No, we played up there with the band that I don't know if I should name. No. He, sh- he should not be named. I don't know. Eh. Undefined. Whatever. Um, their bass player I was standing at the bar and I was trying to get a drink, and th- I knew these. I knew the band was like my band was right behind me, like at the merch table, and so I'm standing there waiting. And the way I'm like on the bar is like I'm leaning over over the top, so like my ass is kind of out. Like I'm like You're showing it. Like it's not out there, <laughs> but I'm like trying to get their attention. And all of a sudden, I feel like this slap on my ass, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, I, at first I thought, oh, it's just like the band. They're just messed, like someone's just fucking with me and, and horse playing, whatever. And I turn around and it's some random dude. And I looked at him and I was like, who are you? <laughs> like literally what I told him, like, who the fuck are you? And I was like, I'm, uh, if this was me, like early 20s, I would have been like, motherfucker, blah, 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 like going off with him. But like now I, I turned to him and I was like, that's not fucking cool, dude. That's not cool, you know? <laughs> and, and he tells me, he has the balls to tell me, well, you don't know what punk rock is. <laughs> really? <laughs> the fuck you say? Really? I don't mm. know what punk rock is because you slapped me in the ass and I said something to you about it. Damn. Fuck you. you, you Whoa, that's fucking trippy. Yeah. Yeah, so his, I, you know, I got back to his band and they were, you know, super apologetic for it. And they still are. Every time I see them, they're like, we're so sorry our bass player slapped you in the ass two years ago i'm like i'm fucking over it like you should be over it too like whatever but my ass is still a little little my ass isn't over it (laughs) your ass is a little no i actually had something kind of similar with another bigger band but i'm not going to name names but i was at a skater con about a year ago it was had some pigtails waiting in line had a band t-shirt on you know just simple band t-shirt and he took like my pigtail which covered over my boobs and was like around my chest area trying to read my shirt but not really and so of course I'm like don't fucking touch me 
I don't know who the fuck you are. And he just like looks at me and you know he's like didn't receive that yeah. expression right. at all because he's used to that. And not that I'm thinking that, oh, he was like, oh, you know, try to be crafty about it. Like I'm so <laughs> fucking hot that he needs to touch me or something. I just think that maybe he forgets the personal boundary bubble and mm-hmm. how that even if you really just wanted to read my shirt, you can ask. You don't have to touch my pigtail that's near my titties. You don't have to be around that, you know, unless I invite you. And that's, right. you know, that's just yeah. that's just a general rule, you know. And Well, imagine that on stage. Uh, remember that one time we played at some show and this guy got up on the stage and tried to kiss me while fucking playing. And uh, our drummer, Julie, she threw a drumstick at him and he fucking got off the stage. <laughs> yeah. Nice yeah. job, Juki. Yeah. That's and I'm awesome. trying to, I'm, you know, I'm still playing. I'm not going to stop playing because of this dude, but I'm trying to avoid him. And that was fucking. You should have cracked him in the head with your, he- I your headstock. Like, yeah. it. You know, but sometimes you can get revenge really funny. So I was at the Me First show back in, um, in Los, I think we're at Los Angeles. They, we just drove out there to see the gig real quick. And there is, because sometimes it's not always about inappropriate touching. It's also about just nice concert going rules like I'm fucking short and this dude is huge and tall and I'm just trying to get like kindly politely around him so I can kind of get closer to see what the fuck's going on and he was just being a dick and not letting me through so my husband decided to get crafty so when this big dude decides to take this big swig off of his drink he like tapped his elbow which proceeded to have his drink all over the front of him and then immediately my husband unbeknownst to me I have no idea what's going on this whole time and then he just like looks around the other way and I guess the other guy that was on the other side of him no idea who this person was totally saw the whole thing acted dumb too and and everyone's just like looking away and then the big fucking douche leaves and then the other said gentleman that was a part of the whole thing leans over was like dude that was fucking rad (laughs) (laughs) so you can get crafty without violence i like that good job good job rico um have you ever been danny have you ever been sexually harassed like that at shows hashtag me too okay yeah let's hear (laughs) what happened well it wasn't at a show it was on the way to a show we played uh for ginger one of her pride parties uh it was halloween in july 2008 i want to say uh the new nasties were playing that was the the show where me and monty and richard all dress in drag Mm -hmm. and um so kcb you guys know kcb yeah that's a name i haven't heard in a long time yeah Uh, yeah so casey was doing my she did my makeup and my dress, she gave me my dress and all that, all that stuff. So she's getting me all done up in, in drag. And then I had to ride the fucking university bus in drag. <laughs> <laughs> Mesa, all the way, nice. all the way to the, the light rail. And then I get on the light rail and I'm going to Phoenix. And Nick, uh, I think Nick Ferratu or Richard or somebody was picking me up from the light rail station, right? So I'm riding on the, the light rail. It's Pride Weekend, mind you, right? And we start getting into the, you know, gay district. Right? And then just filled with people, like, all different types of people. Drag queens, leather daddies, like just regular nice. people. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there in drag and I'm reading, I was reading a book called Monster, Autobiography of an LA Crip by Sanjika Shuk- Shakur. Read it if you get a chance. Okay. I've wow. Read it since I was 12. It's a great fucking book. Um, so I'm sitting there reading this book about this Crip, this OG Crip. And, uh, this, uh, you know, the train filled up with people and this, like, really drunk, uh, kind of pudgy Mexican dude, he sits down next to me and he's like, oh, hi. 
what are you where where are you going, sweetie? He's like, I love boys in drag. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, thank you. Appreciate the compliment, Mister. Appreciate it, but I'm trying to read my book. Thank you so much, though. You know. And I'm reading, and he kept on, and then like he started like, then he like scoots next to me, and now his hands touching my fucking leg, and I'm like, Whoa, dude. Please, I was being. I'm trying to be nice. Like I'm just reading my fucking book. Leave me alone, man. I'm going to fucking show. And he's like, mm. and then he just kept on and kept on. And next thing I know, he's like touching my fucking shoulder and my arm oh, and shit. He's like beer breath in my fucking face. And finally, I just scream at him, back off, chicken hawk. And his eyes get all fucking big. And he does it again. <laughs> and so, and but I, like, I was getting ready to get up and freak the fuck out. Before I can, from the back of the light rail, I hear these boots, boom, 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 clomping. And it's this six foot four fucking leather daddy with like this big handlebar mustache. I mean like oh. village people looking fucking dude. Yeah. And he walks up and he's like, hey, I think you heard the fellow. Why don't you get the fuck out of here and leave him alone? And then he just mm, gets up and like walks away and then I look up at the leather daddy and I'm like, oh, my hero. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, God. Leather daddies to the rescue. That's yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's great. All right, well, I'm sorry that you got harassed on the train, but it's still cool that, like, a leather daddy came along and saved you. So, on that note, I got mad respect for that leather daddy. So, we're going to go ahead and jump into Aretha Franklin's Respect. Thanks for sticking around. So yeah. 
All right, in the room we've got uh, author here, Daniel Vale. Would you like going by Danny or Daniel? <laughs> well, only my family calls me Daniel. Okay. Uh, or girlfriends when I get in, I'm in like deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Valdez, author of Walking with the Beast. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to get out. (laughs) 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 So I'm I'm pretty stoked to talk to you. I want to talk about what you've been working on, music, writing. Yeah, got a bunch of shit. What's been going on in your life? I feel like I haven't really seen you. I know. We go time is yeah. <laughs> yeah we go back. Know, way we, back we go back to your dad's couch i'm just saying oh man so what pattern know. was the couch <laughs> that was like 20 years years ago dude i don't remember <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> Uh, no, in all serious, no. Um, let's get into what you're working on. What are you doing right now? Yeah. Um, well, this past year, I finished my first uh, novel. I was working on a, a novel, like a, a, a story that started as a short story and then kind of just grew and grew over the years. Uh, it's called Disgraceland, and it's um, best way to describe it is uh, a trailer park romance crime saga, uh, a slice of white trash in the war. You had me at Trailer Park. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's awesome. It actually came about because I wanted to watch a movie. I was like, man, I want to watch a movie that like takes place in a trailer park, and it's like fucking got bikers and greasers and crime shit and like scuzzy stuff, and then I looked around, and that movie didn't really fucking exist. I was like, oh shit, really? Nobody? I mean, the closest I got, I think, was Killer Joe with Matthew McConaughey, and that was kind of, eh, it was just okay. It's kind of a bummer. But uh, yeah, so I started writing this, this story, and... Uh, God, 2013 I, I started writing it and 2018 now and I just finished it like last summer um, and uh, yeah so it's all finished ready to go and um, now I'm debating about whether or not I'm gonna try to shop it around to some true crime pub- publishers and try to do that or if I'm just gonna take it and do what I wanted to do with it since I started writing it which is turn it into an independent film mm-hmm. and shoot it at Patch Junction myself nice. yeah that's so, a great setting yeah, yeah it's it's right there you know what I mean like yeah People bitch about, oh, Arizona, there's fucking nothing here. Bullshit. We have some of the most incredible fucking scenery in the world here. Mm-hmm. For films, music videos, fucking photography, all that shit. It's right in your backyard. It's fucking, it's a 20-minute drive out yeah. of the desert, and you're in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I want to take advantage of that. I want to do something with that. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I notice on Instagram you type a lot with, well, you type on a typewriter. Yeah. Um, so, do you have a lot of typewriters? Uh, no, I have, I have two. I have one that I have tattooed on my right hand here. Nice. Um, that was actually this came about when the my band, the Video Nasties, broke up. Uh, so basically, I don't know. If people listening know this, remember this or not, but I used to be in a I used to front a band called the Video Nasties. I think I booked like one of your first shows at the Palo. At the, at the Palo? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. So. yeah, I was, the, I was, yeah, I remember that because I was working that night. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't cut anybody that night, yeah, it was but funny. I was Yeah, kidding. no, it was always a good time. Yeah, for sure. It was great. Um, but yeah, uh, so I used to play in a band called the Video Nasties, and uh, when the band finally imploded and, you know, destroyed itself, uh, you know, I had to move on to do something else, and one night Nick Ferratu from the Limit Club, he told he calls me up, he's like, hey man, I'm cleaning out my grandma's garage, and there's like all 
this old shit. I got a couple typewriters. I mean, you like old stuff, man. Do you want it? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want it. And so I drove down there. Well, my girlfriend drove me down there, and uh, I got the typewriters and took them home. And that night, uh, when I got the typewriter, um, I took Oxy for the first time. And cause, nice. Okay, so I was in a car wreck in 04, and so I was like kind of going in, on and off, pain pills and shit. And then 2010, when I got the typewriter, I got fully into oxycodone, like the night I got the typewriter. Oh, damn. Yeah. You can and stamp that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like, it was fucking, it was a nightmare. Like it lasted for, I, I mean, I just got clean back in 2016. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. had to. Yeah, I love typewriters. I have a few myself collecting. I, I love to write on them, but I need to get mine working. Yeah. So I'm always I always get stoked when writers. Yeah, use there's them, there's so. actually a shop in downtown Mesa called the Mesa Typewriter Exchange. It's one of like 14 typewriter shops in the whole country, and one of them is here in Mesa. Uh, it's been nice. there since 1950 something. Uh, a guy named Bill. Go go check out Bill. Tell him Danny sent you. He'll hook you up. Thanks, I mean, Danny. He'll, he'll <laughs> the regular rates or whatever, but you know. But I can People feel cool, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know. Course, you know Danny, he sent me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Danny. 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 The typewriter. Make some stories. But, you know, and it really gets on my nerves when um, people, like, call, like, because I've had people be like, oh, you type on a typewriter, you fucking hipster. And I'm like, no, douchebag. I'm not sitting in a fucking coffee shop around a bunch of people, like, typing on my typewriter. The, 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 the typewriter, for me anyways, uh, is, has become a very essential part of the writing. Because it's not, it's not just for aesthetics. It's not just to look cool or whatever. It's like, okay, so the reason, the real reason I started typing on them was because um, when I started writing, before I wrote a short story or a poem or fucking anything, mm-hmm. I attempted to write a novel. And I found it the other day. It is dog shit. It's so uh. bad. It's the first thing you ever write. It's not right. going to be good. You know what I mean? But I started doing this big novel, right? And I was doing it on a computer. Well, I got maybe like 40 pages out from the end of my first novel, and my computer crashed. And when the computer crashed and I got it back up, the mm-hmm. file that I was working on was corrupted, and everything was changed to binary code. Oh, okay. so like Damn. Yeah. And everything. Every word, every wow. letter. I fucking lost the whole thing. Damn. And I had to start all over again. And so once I got, my buddy gave me that typewriter, I'm like, this can't crash. There's, there's no corrupting this fucking, you know, once I, I hit these keys and I shink and I shovel that thing out of the fucking feed, I have it. It's mine and Well, and it's something tangible. Exactly. I mean, it's like different musicians. You guys use different guitars. I mean, right. you do different recordings, some analog, some, I just like photography, digital, analog, mm-hmm. I do both. Exactly. It's It's got a different feel. It's something that, it's, it's history that's yeah. going to die that needs... We're so digitized. We need to break through that in some way. Any chance we can, especially in the creative process. People forget writers are fucking artists too. It's not just forming together words. It's an artistic movement in itself. So fucking A. Good for you. Tell that to my father because he doesn't say anything. Oh, God. I'm talking about my dad. I'm not even all that long into this. But um, no, okay. So yeah, so the whole typewriter thing, not, not just that, but when I get in my zone with writing where I'm not... I'm not sitting there laboring over a fucking line like over and over and over. I get the thought. I believe in first thought, best thought. So the first thought I get it in, in my head, as long as it's, you know, I feel it's good, I put it down in the, the fucking paper. And it makes you be a lot more, you can't be as hesitant with the typewriter. You've got to put it fucking down. Mm-hmm. And you, know what you, you know, that what you're putting down is the right fucking thing. And once you get going in that zone, the, the typewriter really truly can become like an instrument in a way where you get like 
a rhythm going with it. And there's been times where I've been going and like it's almost like I'm making fucking beats with it the way my fingers are hitting it. It's fucking crazy. But then again, I might have just been a drug, so I don't know what I said. <laughs> a little bit of both. So you're working on it. You have a new book, or you finished the book, okay. or what are you working I'm on so now? Sorry. Okay, so <laughs> okay. you finished your book. Right, so what are you working on now? <laughs> yes. Ready. It's done. Okay. What I'm working on now, I the other. Okay, so my book, Walking with the Beast, was published in August of 2013. That's when it came out. It's like five years ago. Now. Yeah. Um. So in the in between time, I uh, had a baby, uh, had a family breakup. You know all kinds of crazy shit has happened to me in that time. So now I'm at a, a place where I'm probably the most stable and the most responsible I've ever been in my life. I quit smoking. Um, I quit drinking. I quit partying, basically. Yeah. Um, like, I just go to work, and then I, I'm hanging with my Your kids. Your kids, yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Life of a divorced dad, you know what I mean? And um, just trying to get my shit back in, in order and everything. But the other day, because I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I have a stack of poems and short stories that's probably like 120, 130, enough for another poetry book, ready, ready to fucking go. All I have to do is transcribe it onto the computer in a digital format, send it to a printer, and get the money to actually put a book out, and I've got my next poetry book. So that is coming next. My okay. next poetry book, that's finished. My next writing project that I'm writing on is one that I came up with the other day, because I'm thinking like I need to write a novel, like a yeah. novel about my true life experience, something... Mm -hmm. But something that uh, will interest people that's universal, you know what I mean? And so then I was thinking about it, I'm like, damn, how many jobs have I had in my life? And I really started thinking about it. And I know some people who are so responsible, they've had like six jobs their whole life, five jobs or something. I've been working since I was 15, I'll turn 33 this year. I've had about 69, 72 jobs in my life. Wow. I, I, was, I know, right? And so I was able to write all of them down the other night. I made this fucking list of everyone I could remember, and I had to call some old homies. I'm like, dog, what was that call center we fucking worked at for a day together? What was that shit? Like, so I made this huge list, and I started looking at it. And originally, I'm just going to write some poems and short stories for each one. But as I'm looking through the list, I'm like, wow, this is like a fucking narrative. Like, this is like a huge story. So, I've decided my next book is not going to be a compilation of short stories. It's going to be a novel. Okay. The novel, the title of it is called Not Eligible for Rehire. And it's my life in the American corporate wasteland. That is a brilliant that is awesome. fucking title. <laughs> it's a wait. title that it makes me be like, fuck, why didn't I think of that? It makes you mad. Yeah, Do you guys right. feel that way yeah. sometimes when you hear different songs or different Song concepts? Titles. You're oh, like, I'm like, how, you're like wh why didn't I think why? of that? Fuck, that's easy. Why didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Congrats on that. That's yeah. Cool. I'm excited for that. I was thinking my current job, and like I'm just watching this because it's, it's a new job. This lady's training me, and I sat up and I was like, oh, my God, that's it. <laughs> and she goes, what? Sit down. And I'm like, I have an idea for the title of my next book. She's like, okay, that's cool. Now back to work. I'm like, okay, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking of things I could be doing. So when you have a job interview, yeah. do they look at your resume? How does that go? Well, they look at the resume, <laughs> <laughs> he also <laughs> edits his work, right. including his resume. Right. It's all perfect. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. So, no, you just get, get creative. With right. It. You, yeah. you get in tight with one of the managers of your old job. Like, mm -hmm. hey, boo, I've been there, there, there for six years, right? You good. You good. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. so, it's always good to have homies that look out for you. Right on. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like personally, I've always connected to your writing because we're both Mexican and we've both come from 
poor <laughs> lower middle class yeah. in the early 90s and if you were if that's you you understand what we would go through like all of that but the mexican part but yes I'm on that. <laughs> no i just feel like your writings are really relatable to me because you know growing up mexican and poor and lower class and you have a dad who's fucking hanging around with bikers and your and your mom like so when i read him like fuck like that's my childhood too so you know that's why i really connect to your writing um one of the stories that really as the kids say shook me um i think you posted it on your blog and it was a short story about snuff and that one like really fucked me up for a couple of days dude yeah take my wife or no take your life i mean take my wife yeah that one fucked me up like yeah. for reals like yeah. i th- i was like thinking about it for a couple of days so you know like shit's good when it like fucks with you like that yeah yeah i fucking smoked a bowl and i walked to the grocery store one day and i was like man what if a redhead just pulled up in a car and I was like, no. took me to yeah to have rent in your mind would be awesome. <laughs> just all this, no. oh, just no. to like live no. or occupy it for a no. second. That's crazy. You would not. You would not. You would be asking to move. <laughs> no notice. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Well, let's talk about music. Are you doing anything? Um. So when I walked away from the video nasties, I like you know the band broke up because we lost our drummer, and then we just. Um, not a lot of people know this. Thank the fuck Christ. Not a lot of people saw this, but Monty and I did a, a duo show. It was our last show we ever did. Hmm. Um, where it was me and him. It was 2009. Um, and we, M- M- Monty programmed like a drum machine and all this fucking stuff behind us. And then he played guitar and I just sang. And it was a fucking disaster. It was horrible. And then we did a re- reunion in 2013 at Pub Rock. I think you might have been there i don't know it was bad i was really yes yeah. i was there yeah i was yeah. there too yeah we booked you for it was we, an easy chaos oh, that was anniversary yeah, we show <laughs> we booked you guys. <laughs> so, i don't know what assholes booked us i might have been i was younger yeah. back then oh uh, it so. was but it was bad we, we had had one practice I, I think and it just was not just let you know and we're really truly like we didn't have an official album we never had anything on vinyl there's, I think, maybe six videos of us. We, we, we shot new music videos, but Ian, oh, yeah. our manager, yeah, uh, yeah. We fucking lost him. Um, uh. Like, we had, like, five music videos filmed that we were going to do, like, all this crazy shit, oh. and we lost all the footage. It's all gone. You oh, have man. a hard time yeah. with modern-day technology. <laughs> <laughs> then, no wonder why you use a typewriter. Uh, right? Are you, like, sending smoke signals for texts? <laughs> no, but I was on cricket for many years. So Mar- uh, Morse code. People love cricket. No, Metro PCS is where it's at, man. It's like a step up. I'm like, all right, I ditch cricket. Now I'm at Metro PCS. I hope to be, you know, the better provider eventually. Yeah. They're yeah. a new sponsor. No, okay. So, so basically, when I walked away from the video nasties, when that band broke up and everything, I really, I mean, when I look back on it, I don't have any fucking regrets, like none. As far as I'm concerned. Because my only concern was how we played live, like how our shows were. Like, did we play out fucking hard? Mm-hmm. Like, did we play like fucking Rollins in fucking 84? Did we play like, fu- you know what I mean? Like our fucking idols, did we fucking give it everything we had and like really do it right? And I feel like we did. 
You know what I mean? Like I really, I really feel good about all that shit. I feel like I know what that feels like now to be on the stage and have, be surrounded by hundreds of people and be fucking like miles above. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. fucking a world away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, yeah. we did that and we did it fucking right. And I had no regrets about it. That's why I was fine getting on with the writing and doing this and putting it all behind me or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I was thinking the other day, I was watching a documentary that's on Hulu called Los Wild Ones. I don't know if oh yeah, heard of it. yeah, I've it's seen it. Wild Records in Los Angeles. Yep. Motherfucker, those cats are putting out like the fucking dopest, fucking most badass rock and roll rockabilly I've ever fucking heard. Like mm-hmm. they're doing it right. They're doing rockabilly, not like these fucking Civil War reenactors that are trying to copy it exactly as it was in '55. And no, man, you gotta have. They have the fucking the punk attitude, the yeah. DIY ethic, the fucking punk energy of the whole fucking thing. It's got electricity to it. It's not just shoegaze yeah. rockabilly that's contained to, to the stage. Yeah. It's sweaty, it's sexy, it's nasty. That's the way it should be done. And okay, so when I walked away from the nasties ten years ago, right? About ten fucking years ago now. Jesus. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> ten years ago, I I was so into this thing called Teddy Boy Rock and Roll. And Teddy Boy Rock and Roll is this subset of rockabilly that originated over in England. And basically, it's the British reaction to American rock and roll. And Teddy Boy Rock and Roll is different. Teddy Boy shit, they wear fucking long drape coats, these long coats with velvet cuffs and collars. They have the jelly roll hairstyle, the big chopped sideburns, um, brothel creepers, you know, <laughs> fucking tattoos, fistfuls of rings. Like, these are the guys that were fighting with punks in the 70s Mm -hmm. and skinheads and mods and all that type of shit um but and it used to be just an exclusively british subculture but now with instagram and facebook and fucking all that shit there are teddy boys that i'm friends friends with on social media now in brazil in japan finland germany mexico spain their fucking teds are everywhere now Mm. except america Teddy Boy Rock and Roll has never been done here. No American has ever started a Teddy Boy Rock and Roll band. And to the people wondering, well, what's the difference music-wise between traditional rockabilly and Teddy Boy Rock and Roll? Teddy Boy Rock and Roll is at a faster beat. It's like, like the, it's just, it's the, the drum beat is quicker. Um, they usually use an electric bass as opposed to a stand-up. Um, the fucking, the lyrics are more crude. Mm-hmm. Like songs about cutting cops' throats and fucking, like, actually cussing in the songs and Mm -hmm. shit Mm -hmm. and um it's just more like a street style hooligan rockabilly thing okay um and i dig that and that's never been done in america and all these different um you know when when they do the ted shit in brazil or in spain or in italy it's different than the british thing it's a it's each country it's a little different so the way i always envisioned it was well why not do it here in america but instead of brothel creepers and drain pipe trousers it's fucking tight Levi's and cowboy boots. Like, put more of a Western fucking flair to it. And then in the wintertime, have the Teddy Boy coats with the bolos and all that type of shit. Give people an alternative to either the Mike Ness car culture rockabilly or the Slacks uh, Wild Records type rockabilly or the Psychobilly. Give people another fucking option. Because, I, I mean, I like for me, it's been... Okay, so it's been 10 years. And Paul Roman of the Quakes, I told Paul Roman about this 
10 years ago and he's like oh well you gotta get out get out there and do it kid you gotta bring the playboy <laughs> shit to America nobody else is gonna do it right right and uh <laughs> and, and actually when Paul found out I called Paul's like hey man I, I wrote a book and I'm doing this he's like yeah well he could give a shit he's like what about the Ted stuff man you giving up on rock and roll you know and he got he got like upset with me about it and so it's been 10 years and still no American has done it no like nothing nothing so I decided, fuck it. Like, seeing that Wild Records thing and listening to all the Wild Records music mm-hmm. got me fucking, in, like, bit by the rockabilly bug. Like, I cut my hair off. I quit greasing up. Like, I was just like, well, I'm going to go to work now and have a flat top and be a dad and not worry about that silly rock and roll stuff and focus <laughs> on my responsibility. And I just can't fucking do it anymore. Yeah, like, man. I mean, I mean, I can, and I will continue to be responsible on that shit. But I have to let the fucking Tiger Man out of me because I'm going fucking crazy. You know what I mean? It has to happen. Like, yeah. we, we did uh, the Halloween punk rock bash uh, last year. Uh, Dude, your fucking performance just killed it. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. The, for those that don't remember that you did the cramps. Yeah. And your fucking performance is still in my head. Thank it's you. so great. That's and awesome. I'm a huge Cramps fan, so. That's awesome. I'm glad that somebody liked it. Yeah, it's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. <laughs> and afterwards, I like your band. <laughs> Even though you're not really a band just for Halloween. <laughs> right. And it's pretending to be another it, band. It was, and that, that was so much fun, though. Like, I had such a blast doing that. Because I love yeah. those fucking songs. And that's, that's another thing, too, is what, again, going back to what the Cramps did. The Cramps, like, okay, so when I got really into rockabilly, I'm like, Wait a minute. So did the Cramps have any original songs? Like, they, uh, most of their catalog is these old songs that didn't get radio play. Nobody had heard of. Nobody would know what the fuck Teenage Goo Goo Muck was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or fucking Sunglasses After Dark. Like, all those songs came from these other songs. And the Cramps helped spread those songs out into the world and make them known. A lot of those songs people wouldn't know if not for the fucking Cramps. It's so true. I want to do the same thing for Crazy Cabin songs. And Crazy Cabin and the Rhythm Rockers are like the Teddy Boy band. Like, they just, the fucking best shit. Like, the best fucking songs. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's my fucking plan now. And I, I mean, I literally just had this idea a couple week, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've got to start reaching out to some of my old buddies and see who's playing, um, all that type of stuff. Because I know that if I don't do this Teddy Boy, this Rockabilly thing, I'm really going to regret it. And I try not to live with regret, so I, I've got to fucking do it. I, I also like your homage, like you're saying you want to do bolo ties and stuff. That's very Arizonan, too, yeah. the Western yeah. look. So you're also doing a touchstone to where you come from. Fucking culture. Something yeah. unique. Yeah. So. No, yeah. Good. The scene needs you, man. We, we miss you, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're such a good performer, like, every time, yeah. We need it. <laughs> Agreed. I know, yeah. I, I really, and I, okay, this is what I was going to say earlier. I wanted to say it on fucking tape, or digital, whatever the fuck this is. <laughs> 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 Such a man. Um. So, back in the day, I had a zine called Valley of the Scum. Mm-hmm. I loved it. it. Yeah. Really? You yeah. saw it? Oh, of course I, I did. did. Loved it. So, yeah. We, yeah. we put out, I think, four issues or some, some shit. Because I, I walked into Eastside one day, and I think it was David Keynes from Grave Danger, the drummer. Mm-hmm. And he, he was working there. And I walked in, I was like, David, I'm looking at I'm like, where are your zines? Like, I think the ones we got are over there. And I was go, I'm like, well, where's all your local zines? There's no local stuff. And he was mm-hmm. like, Local zines. Nobody makes local zines. This is like 2007 or some shit. And I'm like, really? And so then I made a few of those zines, and then I couldn't do anymore. And then after that, AZ Chaos came came yep. around. Uh, I'm talking back in the the Mikey, Ricky, Maki days. Do you yeah. Know fucking Maki. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, uh, so. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so anyway, I oh, wanted man. to say that it's uh, everything you guys have been doing with the Punk Forefront magazine. Ah, uh, thanks, podcast, man. Like, you, fucking Brian, fucking everybody that's pitching in and doing shit. Thanks, when dude. Fucking nobody else is. Fucking hats off to you guys, man. It's fucking great. That means a lot. Like, Thank you. We really fucking need it. Thank you. So, thank you. Yeah, no. I remember those Valley of the Scum zines. <laughs> yeah, they were cool, man. No, they were. I liked them. Yeah. yeah. I think the Grave Danger was on a cover. Yeah. Yeah. Love Me Nots were on a mm-hmm. cover. Yep. Uh, I think The Sex. Oh, oh yeah, oh, The I Sex. Man, okay. such a great fucking band, but a waste of how, like, it yeah. just dissolved. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. That's one of those bands, like, people need to hear this, but they never will because Mm -hmm. they fucking never toured, they never played shows, just had the one album, one and done, and then I don't know what happened. Well, I think the guy moved, huh? Yeah, Yeah. he moved. I think he was doing crime scene cleanup, and then now he's, like, working for fucking aerospace, aerotech or some shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) Everybody's growing up from, (laughs) what, 15, 10 years ago, whatever it was. 10 years ago, man. <laughs> well, I do want to pick your brain about this, and I always, I always post it in, in, always post it on Facebook, and I'll get like the most reactions out of it, just the most comments. Yeah. Is rockabilly punk rock retirement music? All right, listen. <laughs> so <laughs> lay it on me. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, and there, there is a re- yes, there is a reason that that is a saying, and I'll explain why. Because, okay, so we all were, we get into punk in high school, fucking junior high, whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, I was into punk and all this shit, and then I started going back in music history and looking at stuff, because I had a lot of time to just read through shit, right? Well, one day, I found this box set, and it's called Rockin' Bones. And the front, it's got this greaser guy with, like, he's, he's like, holding his chest, and there's, like, a switchblade and shit. And it said, on the front, it said, 1950s punk and rockabilly. 1950s punk. Yeah. What the fuck? Bought that shit, right? Mm-hmm. Four disc set. And it's got all kinds of shit from Jerry Lee Lewis to Roy Orbison's mm-hmm. early recordings, which is, was his rockabilly shit, like that song Domino, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's these other songs on there that didn't get radio play. There's a song called Little Girl by Jackie and someone. Jackie and John or some shit, I forget. But it's a guy and a girl. And it's literally this woman having fucking screaming orgasms on this fucking out on this fucking song and there's all these other songs talking about getting high and fucking cutting people and like there's all this crazy shit and these were songs that they couldn't play on the fucking radio right so and then I'm like wow man so really when you get down fucking to it rockabilly 50s rock and roll was the first youth based mm-hmm. rock move movement in history I mean ar- arguably some people will say well swing was or jazz was. Yeah, it was to a cert- certain degree, but rockabilly was when you, you had kids doing their hair in crazy fucking ways, mm-hmm. dressing in loud pink, lime green colors, playing this music that fucking freaked out the fucking old people and mm-hmm. all the fucking squares. And what are all the songs about? Rocking and rolling, getting fucked up, and getting laid. You know what I mean? Sex, drugs, rock and roll. It started with that, the original punk. And l- much like the punk, of the 1970s. Let's let's break down the, the movements here, okay? Starts in 54 with Elvis Presley with That's Alright Mama and that mm-hmm. record, Blue mm-hmm. Moon of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That's the first, arguably, besides Chuck, Chuck Berry and Little Richard stuff. You've got some stuff that predates it. But as far as 
rockabilly, the youth-based white kids rock thing, yeah. started with Elvis. Okay? Yeah. So that starts in, fi in fi 54. By 59, 1960, uh, Chuck Berry's in jail. Um, the Big Bopper, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, Eddie Cochran, they're all dead. Right. Johnny Cash is on pills. Yeah. Uh, Roy, Roy Orbison's career is yet to take off with his other, you know, his ballads mm -hmm. and stuff. Elvis is in the fucking army. Mm -hmm. Jerry Lee Lewis was ruined by the sex scandal. Mm -hmm. Arguably, it was, that. that's it. You got 54 to 59, and it's done. And it's mm -hmm. done. And you, Rockabilly doesn't really come back until arguably the 1980s when the straight Trickets. kids come back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just like punk by what? 79, 81, 82. Mm -hmm. The list of people dead and in jail or moving on to be new wave or be more metal or be more metal. pop punk before pop punk was pop punk. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the descendants um, both stuff. of the movements had about a five year lifespan on both of them and then they're done and that's it. But they come back in these little cycles. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And really, truly, Brian Setzer, I mean, that guy, mm -hmm. he, he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. He revived two, two dead music genres. The Stray Cats with Rockabilly in the 80s, and then the Brian Setzer Orchestra and swing music in the fucking 90s. Remember? Yeah. That, Huge 90s. Yeah. Like, jump, like, jump, 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 It was on mm -hmm. commercials. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy's playing the fucking halftime show. For sure. Swingers. Like, yeah. Yeah. So this... This stuff, it has its time, it dies, it sleeps, the kids rediscover it, and then it's born again. Nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful thing. Uh, but yes, it is the punk rock retirement home. Okay. Because, <laughs> because once once you fucking realize, wow, these two musics are like grand, are like father and son. You know what I mean? Rockabilly's the father and punk is the fucking, it's the bastard child that you kept locked in the closet and now he's run loose. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where can uh where can we get your book? Where can we buy it? Actually, the only place that we uh, we did a limited run on it, so okay. we're actually almost sold out. I think there's maybe ten copies left floating around on Amazon through used bookstores and stuff. Um, so that's the last place you're gonna be, be able to catch it. But this winter, uh, I'll be putting out my second book of poetry, which I've yet to title. Um, but and basically, I was waiting to see like, okay, should I try and shop this around to poetry publishers or yeah. just do it myself? And it, you're talking poetry. Who gives a fuck? So I'm just going to publish it myself. Okay. Um, so look for my next poetry book out um, Yeah, in the, in the winter of this so this this year. Okay. 18, right? I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, um, where can we read your stuff right now? On your blog? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've got a blog, uh, sweetdannyv.blogspot.com. Okay. And there you'll find... All kinds of crazy things from mm -hmm. dating alcoholics and near-death experiences and breakups and all kinds of great shit. Family material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff you can relate to, though. Yeah, for like, sure. Oh, fuck. It's always relatability. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah for thanks for on. coming. Thanks for having me. You guys, give it up for Danny Valdez. All right. Yeah. Thanks. All right, we're gonna kick off here into a song that Danny picked. This one's called "Knock Knock." by Crazy Kevin and the Rhythm Rockers right here on Sound Sister AZ.
on this door, I'll smash it down. guys that was that teddy boy rock and roll danny was talking about earlier um make sure you guys check out his blog we're gonna post links on the podcast page and buy his book which apparently there's only 10 copies left so yeah it's a good read you guys gotta get it we're gonna be signing off here uh make sure you go and like the sound sister az page on facebook like us there Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Keep listening. Keep listening and <laughs> tuning in. Share, share, share. See. <laughs> and we're out. Bye. Bye. See you. <laughs>